You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee, go to vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's our podcast. So question for you all. Um, You've been born again. I heard a groan. Yeah, I know. That's like a triggering question or term. So I was actually recalling the story with some friends a couple weeks ago. Um, when Ben was in preschool, um, we had just moved here. We've been to Milwaukee maybe a year or two or something. And we were down at South Shore Park, and he, he did like morning preschool. And he ran into a friend from preschool while we were playing at the park. So I was like, oh, you know, yay, I'll meet the mom or whatever. So I meet the mom. We get chatting. And uh, typical in the first couple of years in Milwaukee, people would ask us why we moved here. And so at some point, I'd kind of share a little bit of our story or talk about our church plan or something like that. Well, it turns out she was also a follower of Jesus and attended a church. And I'm like, oh, this is so fun. I'm going to meet a, another mom of a kid in the preschool with my son, and she's also a Christian, and, like, this might be a great friendship. You know, I'm, like, already thinking this. And pretty soon into the conversation, she's asked me a little bit more. Like, she's, she seems to almost get a little suspicious of me in our church, church. And she's like, well, what kind of church is it? And she's asked me more questions, like, so are you, like, born again? And I'm like, um, yes. <laughs> I was, it was just strange. It almost came at me in this hostile way. And I'm like, I think I am. And pretty soon the conversation spiraled even more, got a little spiraled even more from that point. So I got, like, more and more uncomfortable with this woman who is supposed to be my sister. And I'm like, I need to get out of this conversation. So I'm like, Ben, do you still need to go potty? I think it's, I think it's time for us to go. Um, and so depending on your background or experience with this phrase, it may be a little triggering for you. It may, um, you know, sorry, I got to raise this up again. Give me one second. I need help with these things. All right. Um, <clears throat> Yes, so this is unfortunate that this phrase, and I'm not sure why it developed this weird triggering connotation over the years. I'm not sure all the reasons for it, but it's very unfortunate because if you didn't know, this phrase being born again actually came from this really kind of interesting conversation that Jesus is having with a very moral, very highly intelligent, well-educated, well-respected religious leader of his day. And he's trying to unpack for this person a very mysterious, supernatural, and beautiful picture of what it means to come into life in the kingdom, to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And yet, it kind of just, over the years, you know, became something else. And so, I want to, in case you're not familiar with it, I want to just be, you know, as a setup to what I want to talk about today in Jonah, I want to just look for a minute at this conversation that Jesus has with this religious teacher named Nicodemus. So if you look with me at John chapter 3, it says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, he's like, how can someone be born again when they are old? 
Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, he's, he's describing here the Holy Spirit. And he's describing something that's, He's kind of like, you're Israel's teacher. You've been, you know, you know the Hebrew scriptures in and out. Um, you, you, you should have a little, like, handle on kind of these mysterious, uh, supernatural um, kingdom realities that we're meant to unpack to people. So he's kind of like, do, do you not understand kind of what I'm saying here? I'm using a metaphor, but these terms, spirit and water, should resonate with you and all that you know about the Hebrew scriptures. And so the Greek word here for again, um, anothen, actually kind of carries two meanings. You know how like words in our, like sometimes we'll say like nailed it, you know, could mean like you nailed it. And it also means like you nailed something to the wall, right? So it kind of takes on two meanings. So the very literal meaning means from above. But it also means again, like the common meaning in the culture would have been again. And so in many ways, what Jesus is saying here is you need a new beginning and you need it from a different source. So just, you need it not from the flesh, but you need it from above, a different source, and you need, to, you need to be born again from a different source. And so ultimately what he's saying to Nicodemus, like Nicodemus, the problem with you and with all humanity actually cannot be fixed with another teaching. There's something fundamentally wrong with the human heart that cannot be fixed by following more rules or developing more spiritual practices. The fundamental condition can only be healed through me and ultimately by my spirit. When he says by water and spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit that's going to come and do this regeneration, do this creation, rebirth in our hearts. So to be born again by water and spirit, to experience this kind of supernatural marriage with the person of Jesus through his spirit. Uh, and this was prophesied about. So like in Ezekiel 32, 26, it, it says, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So recently, I've had a privilege of listening to several people's spiritual journeys. I don't know if you've ever done that. I know some of you were tra trained as spiritual directors. You would have done this. Part of our training was to, in like 15 to 20 minutes, kind of share our whole spiritual journey. Um, just what our life with God up until this point has been like. And that's really hard to do, right? You're kind of like sharing like in a very short period of time. So what results is the highlights, right? Kind of the big moments. And what I've discovered as I listen to people's story and as I've shared my own is there's almost always these like kind of markers or these like turning point moments in people's story. And I would almost describe those as like born again moments where my life was going this way, and in some way I came to the end of myself. And it could have been you just hit a wall, you maybe hit a, a place of suffering, you might have just hit a place of confusion. Somehow you discovered this is no longer working. I no longer can, like, I'm at the end of my own rope here. And then somehow you have an encounter with God. And somehow, sometimes you don't even know why or how it happened. You did almost very little to make it happen, but you have this encounter, this revelation, and something's different after that. And I've just noticed this. Sometimes with younger folks, they might just have one moment that they share this. For me, I have like three main 
markers where I see this, like, something changed, and then, you know, maybe five years later, I had this other, like, big moment, and something, God revealed himself in a new way, and I was different afterwards. And these, I almost describe as these sort of born-again experiences. And is that, is that person, these sort of, um, you know, whatever the experience feels like, like a deliverance, a healing, uh, this regenerative experience, that person isn't completely different. If you've been through something like that, you know you're not like a completely new person, but something's different. When you reflect on them, when I reflect on myself, in some way I'm different, or at least my relationship with God is different. I have a, a new experience with the person of God. And so for me, I don't think being born again is this one and done experience. It's just like a thing you do. You know, you have like your big moment in church, you give your life to Jesus, and you are born again, and it's one and done. And I, just to be clear here, I am not talking about like our traditional view of salvation for eternity here. I am talking about being restored into the whole human you were created to be. And, so, and, and if you're a follower of Jesus, the person you are in the heavenly realms. It's that process of being restored in, into yourself, into you, who you truly are. And I think this is a lifelong journey, but I do think there are key moments in our journey where, where we are born again, again, and again. And so for Jonah, in this next scene, if you know, a couple weeks ago, I sort of opened the story of Jonah where he, God asked him to do something. He doesn't want to do it. He tries to run away from God. He tries to flee this land called Tarshish, which is kind of this pseudo-Eden where lots of beautiful treasures and apes and peacocks and gold came from. And so there's all these pictures of people trying to create their own Eden. A huge storm comes. They're going to be shipwrecked. So he says, throw me overboard. He, tr he tries to basically make these guys kill him, and he gets swallowed by this big fish. And so now he's in the belly of this big fish. And so we're going to pick up in this moment, we're going to read chapter 2 of Jonah, which is basically him praying to God from the belly of this fish. And I think that this is one of Jonah's born-again experiences. However... Um, what, what you might find, if, and Dave shared a little bit of the rest of Jonah, there are some questions about whether Jonah really changed in the belly of this fish, how different he was on the other side, did he, did he really repent, was his heart really changed? We actually don't know. And actually, as you read the end of the story, we're not really sure, because Jonah definitely returns back to some of his old ways. But either way, I think that we can glean some really important things here from this moment the belly of the fish, as Jonah reaches the end of himself. So look with me, um, chapter 2. It says, Jonah, from, well, it doesn't say Jonah. From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath bared, barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. 
When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So we get to have this sort of little glimpse of this moment where Jonah is experiencing something that feels like death. He's like, if you read the, the, the prayer, he's sinking down closer and closer to death. And for his experience, it is uh, on the precipice of, of death for him. These are all images all throughout the Hebrew scriptures. You can find tons of these images in Psalms and Sam, in, in Samuel, all sorts of places. Psalm 69, for example, says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. Do not let the flood waters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. So there, there's often this imagery of drowning associated with death, of sinking down lower and lower. Um, Jonah's prayer has much in common with many inset prayers all through the Hebrew scriptures that take place either right before or right after a deliverance experience. Another example, 2 Samuel 22, it says, I called upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God, and from his temple he heard my voice, and my cry came, my help came to his ears. I'm wondering, as you're hearing this, you ever feel like you're drowning? Or have you had that experience that you're sinking further and further into, into the miry mess, that the waves are coming over your head, that the water's rising up your neck, and you just feel like I'm coming to the end of myself, like this is too much. Whatever it is I'm facing, it is overwhelming me and it's taking me under. This is, this is what's happening to Jonah. This is what's happened multiple, this is the human experience that he's drawing up here. So much so that he actually preferred death over what he's facing right now. And so uh, you've been brought to the end of yourself and you feel powerless, you feel vulnerable. And depending how you got there, you might feel guilty or ashamed. And as I said a couple weeks ago, how you ended up in the belly of, of the fish is less important than how God is meeting you there, what God is doing while you're in the belly. And so Jonah is there by his own doing, and yet God's mercy is still very evident there. God's deliverance is still very much available to him. And you know what's interesting is that all through Jonah chapter 1, the word fish, so in, in Hebrew, like a lot of other languages, they have masculine and feminine nouns, unlike English, and all through Jonah chapter 1, the word for fish is masculine, and it switches to the female word for fish in Jonah chapter 2, right at the point that Jonah's inside the belly of the fish. Now, this has become um, problematic for a lot of theologians that have studied this, because every part of Jonah, if you unpack it, is well thought out. There's no, like, 
mistakes here, every little bit of it. So there's definitely an important meaning here. And uh, the one of the theologians that speaks to me the most is actually believing this is a picture of pregnancy, that this Jonah is in the womb of a fish. And all through scriptures, when you read about the way the spirit works, it's he's creating and recreating and creating and birthing. And this is just a beautiful metaphor of what happens. This is like the journey with the Holy Spirit is being uh, rebirthed and recreating in this mysterious way. And so actually uh, Marvin Sweeney, who's one of the theologians, writes, although this shift remains problematic, Jonah's presence in the belly of the fish suggests the imagery of pregnancy for the fish and new birth or new creation for Jonah. And so sometimes the thing that feels like it's killing you may be your vehicle to rebirth, to salvation, to deliverance, being born again. And so there's a lot we can unpack from Jonah's prayer here. But overall, it is a prayer of repentance. And repentance, that's another word that can be triggering for some people too, right? Because we have an image in our head of what that means. But actually, in the Hebrew Bible, the word for repentance is most literally translated as turning back to something you've strayed from or, looking or looked away from. And then the Greek word that they use in the New Testament uh, speaks to a change of mind, thought, or thinking so powerful that it actually changes one's life. So it's this turning back. It's almost like the changing of your mind or the changing of your life. And so ultimately what happens is when we're in pain, we're under pressure, we're overwhelmed, we're drowning, we recognize that we can't make our life work. That our attempts to create the good life, our attempts at relationships, our attempts at being a whole flourishing human, our way is not working. And so Jonah's confession really pushes this point home here. He says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. So it's this turning away from God's love, Tarshish. It's, it's, it's trying to find the good life on our own, trying to work out difficult relationships on our own, trying to become the whole human you really are on your own, your way. What was Jonah's idol? It's a vision of the good life that doesn't include God's authority over him. And this is our idol, too. This has been the human struggle from the beginning of time. This is like Genesis in a nutshell. It's like humans always trying to create Eden without submitting to God's authority, his way, his time, his power, his love. And I see this struggle with people all the time, and I see this struggle with me. Our idols are not, you know, some little crystal we hang on our dashboard that we hope, you know, is going to heal us or give us power. Our idols are typically good things. Our idols can be like our spouse, our children, our jobs, our money, our popularity. The problem is when we look to these things to find ourselves, to find our healing, to find our salvation. We don't trust God enough to meet our needs, to satisfy our hunger, to heal our wounds, to deliver us. So we take matters into our own hands. He's taking too long, not doing it the way we want to do it. 
I don't trust him. I don't think he's involved in my life enough. I don't think he gets me. I don't think he gets my kid. What are your idols? What are the things you fantasize about? What, what, are, what do you stay up at night worrying about? What is the thing that if I just had this or I just had more of this, it would make me feel okay about myself or I would be satisfied? I mean, there's nothing wrong with enjoying our spouse, getting life from our kids. We are made for relationship. We are made for friendships. But when you look to your spouse for salvation, you put way too much pressure on him or her and on the relationship. And you'll always be disappointed, and your spouse will know this. When you idolize your children, you may be inadvertently trying to mend some wound from your own childhood. I'm preaching to myself here. Or you will feel better about yourself if your kids do better than you. Then what happens if your kids don't do better? What happens when your kids fail or life doesn't turn out like you hoped it would for them? Or you put too much pressure on friendships because you idolize them or you expect them to be a certain way. Then people come up short and they let you down. They disappoint you out of their humanity. And all of this has caused you to turn away from God's love. All the gifts from God, your health, provision, friendships, children, grandchildren, success, will never be enough for you if Jesus is not enough. So your attempts to heal yourself, make yourself whole, will never work apart from submitting to God's regenerative process. The being born again, again, and again. This is not about adding Jesus into your life but making Jesus your life. So for Jonah, at least for this moment, he was able to declare salvation comes from the Lord. There's no other way back to the garden. There's no other way to the good life. There's no other way to be born again. So sometimes the thing that feels like is killing you is the vehicle for your salvation. While under that pressure, as the currents are swirling around you and all your waves and breakers are sweeping over you, turn away from your worthless idols and back to God's love for you as your only way home. I'm going to close our time today with a prayer from uh, a woman named N.C. Claire. And um, I'm just going to invite you, if you want to, to kind of close your eyes as I kind of pray this over us. Speaking God, unstop our ears. Moving God, unblind our eyes. Healing God, unharden our hearts. For you have the words of life. You have the power to heal and transform. You have promised us new hearts. We are ready to listen. We are ready to see. We are ready to change. Amen. We're going to move in, into a time of worship and ministry time. And um, I just know for myself, sometimes this idea of leaning into idols and turning away from God's love can not, is not always super clear. Like how we're doing can feel very, very subtle. 
And it doesn't necessarily mean the things we're leaning into are even bad or wrong, but it's like we're putting too much pressure on them to make everything okay. In our families, in, in our, into ourselves, not trusting that Jesus not only can provide the good life, but that he is the good life. That that's what we need the most. That's what our kids need the most. This is not about adding Jesus into your good life, but making Jesus your life as the good life. And so I felt like the invitation today was um, for some of us just to have born-again moments again. <laughs> Where is there places in our heart that are still hard? Are there are there idols in our life where we're still leaning into to try to get full? Um, this is something the Holy Spirit can speak to you or draw you. You might not be able to even put language to it, but you might just know it. This morning during worship, I just sensed it, uh, even over myself in some way. So I just want to invite you to come receive prayer. There will be people on my left, your right, in the back that would be happy to pray for you. If uh, you want to hear from God, if you need healing, you need a new heart, you know there's something that needs to change in your life, this is just time to come and um, not just think about it, but allow the Holy Spirit to come and meet you in that space. And for some of you, you may feel like you're actually currently in the belly of that fish. And um, this is really important to come and say, God, what are you doing right now in this time? How are you revealing yourself? What is the regenerative work that you're doing? How can I cooperate with you? How can I lean into this? So I just invite you to come receive prayer if any of those things speak to you. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee Podcast. For more information, go to vineyardmilwaukee.com.